Good morning. My name's Kevin, and uh, we are in the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is the season of four Sundays preceding Christmas and our celebration of Christ's coming and his return to earth. During this Advent season, uh, we're going to be focusing on generosity. And it's a time of year where our society really engages quickly with being generous with others, um, whether it be presents to the kids or the Salvation Army kettle or whatever other donations people make. We, we typically think when, with generosity, at least I do, uh, about material possessions, finances, something along those lines. And that's not necessarily a, a bad thing when it comes to generosity. But we want to have us think broader uh, than just our money or our possessions and how we can be, how we can be generous with others. Uh, we're going to look at four different resources over the next four weeks and ask the question, how do we, how do we be generous with these four things? Uh, the four resources we've chosen to focus on are time, how to be generous with our time, creativity, with our money, and with ourself. So we've entitled the series, More Than Expected, because as we talk about generosity, we need to recognize that generosity, by its definition, is giving more than what is expected. So if you ended up coming over to my place for pasta, and I served you a generous portion of pasta. You would have a heaping mountain of pasta on your, but more than you ever expected a pastor to serve you pasta. It would be a generous portion of pasta, way more than you expected. That would be generosity. So we need to think through, other than pasta and money, how do we be generous with our time, with our creativity, we're going to include money, but also with ourself, and that will be the focus for this next few weeks. The reason that we can be generous, the source of our generosity, is God. God is a generous God. Generosity completely, entirely starts with Him. If we're to follow the ways of God, if we're to be like Jesus, we need to be generous. So we need to ask the question, how was God generous? The most obvious answer, the most commonly known answer uh, throughout the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is the, the gift. God's son is the gift that we celebrate at Christmas. So, Jesus came to earth to restore a broken relationship between God and humanity. The separation was caused by sin, and God needed to do something to fill the gap, the void that was there between a perfect God and imperfect humans. To fill the gap between a perfect God and imperfect humans, there's really only two solutions, become an imperfect God or become a perfect human. Becoming an imperfect God isn't so much of an option because that means God isn't God. 
So God picked the second option, the only option, and came to earth as a perfect human to live a perfect life, to sacrifice himself for us. So that was one way that God is generous. God's generous in other ways as well. I believe God gave generously with his creation. Why did he make billions and billions of galaxies? Why is creation continuing to expand according to modern astronomers? They would affirm that the, the generosity of God's creation, far more than we ever expect. Abraham, God says to Abraham that his descendants will be like the countless stars of the sky. God creates perfectly as God is generous. And so we're going to focus on how do we create better here. God is also generous with material possessions. The things that we are allowed to have, the steward, that we are allowed to steward and care for. It's easy for us, I think, in an affluent Western society to talk about generosity but this needs to apply. God is generous to all people, all times, even people that don't have all the affluence that we have here. It's amazing that God allows us to care for creation. He says that we are to rule over the entire earth. We are the caretakers of creation. We are to steward God's creation well. We are to take care of his creation including the things that we end up calling our own possessions. The best verse here is uh, is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God will generously provide for all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As we talk about generosity, we'll be pointing out that God's generosity with us is for the benefit of others. And so we should give more. So God gave of himself. God gave of his creation, with his creation. God gave of his possessions. And so today we're going to talk about time. A little bit more of an abstract concept that may be a challenge for us to get our minds around. How is God generous with time? We all have the same amount of time. It seems like none of us have enough time. So how is God generous? God is outside of time. God isn't bound by rotations of the earth or or orbiting around the sun. And so I believe that God's generous gift of time is eternity. We believe that when we enter into an eternal relationship with God, When we accept his grace, we enter into an eternal relationship. We are eternal beings. Our our bodies may not be, but our souls are. And we are created to be in an eternal relationship with God. And certainly that would be considered a generous gift. The challenge is, like all other resources that we've been given, we need to learn how to use this well. 
How do we learn to be generous with our time here on earth? I believe that generosity with our time and how we show that to others involves waiting longer. So, what does God think of time? How do we be generous with the time that we have? I think it's important with any good message to ground ourselves in the Word of God and start there, and then we'll talk a little bit about the practical outcomes that you're already feeling maybe a little bit convicted of, of how you've been spending your time. We'll get there later. Some key words uh, about time in the Bible include patience, hope, waiting. As we heard from the prophets uh, in the Old Testament, they were waiting for the Messiah to come, to save Israel from their captors. In the New Testament, the, the New Testament believers were waiting for the Lord's return and the restoration of creation to be, come back to its perfect state as it was in the Garden of Eden. Advent is uh, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's a time for us to patiently anticipate. The word Advent literally means coming. Our Advent tradition looks back 2,000 years, but then it also looks forward. We remember the first coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago, and then we also look forward to Christ's return on earth in the future. Our situation right now is similar to the waiting or the anticipation that the Jews experienced while they were in exile. The, uh, the prophet Isaiah here, chapter 9, declares, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The interesting part of this prophecy was that it was written somewhere between 600 and 800 years before Jesus was even born. Israel was waiting for the Messiah to come and free them from the oppressive captors that they served under for 600, 800 years. We can go back even further in the Bible. The Israelites were in Egypt as captives for 400 years before God set them free through Moses. Moses himself had to wait 40 years between his burning bush experience and the time he went back to meet Pharaoh in Egypt to let the people go. Another time of waiting, another 400 years, is considered the intertestamental period, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Malachi was up here the last Old Testament prophet to speak about the coming of the Messiah. He is coming. And then 400 years of silence. Oppressors, rulers, moving in. uh, Israel was allowed to live in their own land, but they weren't free. They were captives from other rulers that were oppressive and beating on them, basically. And they're saying... How long, oh God? we've, We've had this prophecy. You've said you're coming. 
Why are you waiting so long? If we look at the New Testament writers, they anticipated Christ's return at any time. Many of them thought it would be within their lifetime. Oh yeah, Christ is coming back. We'll just be ready, be ready. The fire of the New Testament was spurred on because Christ is coming back right away. And then their kids' generation ended up going, my dad said, Christ is coming back right away. Let's, let's stick with it. He's coming back. And then the grandkids' generation. Christ is coming back. He's returning. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still waiting for Christ to come to restore the world. We need to ask the question, many of us do, why does God make us wait so long? For many of us, this question is asked not just in the big cosmic, when is Christ returning, but it's far more personal. Why has God not answered my prayer for the soul of a loved one? Why do I need to wait so long to see healing? Why do I need to suffer? These are all questions that have been asked of God for thousands of years. The best verse that I can find in the New Testament about time, and about God's reasons for waiting, is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of us understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The questions around God's timing, whether they're, they're cosmic, whether they're your personal questions, I'm, I'm simply not equipped to answer. I don't think I can speak for God. I think it's simply best to let him speak with his word to each one of us who is asking. What I can say with confidence on behalf of God is what he has already said through Peter, that he is patient so that everyone can come to repentance. So regardless of the reason, whether we like it or not, Throughout the Bible, the people of God have been in a position where they have needed to wait. Many of them didn't see the work of God in their lifetime. God makes a promise to Abraham that he would have countless descendants through Sarah, his barren wife. And at the time of his death, he saw one son born of Sarah. It wasn't until his grandson, Jacob, who was known as Israel, had 12 sons, the tribes of Israel, that one could start to see maybe the fruit of his promise. And then it took another few hundred years for the Israelites before they started multiplying like rabbits in Egypt. And all of a sudden there was a glimmer of where God was going with this promise. It would seem to me that God's sense of time and our sense of time are totally different. As a result, we need to learn to wait longer. God is not spinning around the sun. His timing is perfect. God is not stressed out 
about waiting four seconds for slow internet. He's okay. Lamentations, chapter 3, says this. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Throughout history, people have been waiting for God to act, to save them and to rescue them. And typically, we don't do this very well. But for some reason, God's word talks a whole lot about patience. I think it's because God knows that we simply just don't do patience well. We need to realize that God is a patient God and that we need to be patient people. Time is a gift. As much as we often look at it as though we don't have enough, something, not having something soon enough, we need to recognize that time is actually a gift. We recognize this when we, when we say things like, time heals all wounds. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not, but we speak it commonly. Time heals all wounds. It sounds right. Is it, does that make it a gift? I would like to suggest that we need to flip our view of time uh, from being as much of a burden not having enough. I think we need to, to change that perspective to be that time that God has given to us is actually a blessing. And I think the story of Paul can help us get our mind around this a little bit better because he appreciated God's patience in a very unique way. The Apostle Paul was formerly known as Saul, the Pharisee. And Saul, before he became Paul, before he met Jesus, slaughtered Christians. He says this about himself, his former life. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer, even though I was once a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And he's not exaggerating much by saying that he is the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. For Paul, time was a gift. God shows patience even when we do not deserve it. I think of those early Christians when Paul was still Saul, the murderous Pharisee. And as they gathered together, small groups of believers trying to get their mind around, Jesus just rose from the dead, he just ascended into heaven, we had this Holy Spirit Pentecost movement, and now we're getting slaughtered by this guy, Saul, who is just trying to crush this movement called the way. I think their prayers went something like this, dear God, kill Saul now before he kills us. 
I think that was one of their best prayers. God, we need justice. Smite this man from the earth. Kill him now before he kills us, the people of God, your servants. God, act, step in, do something here. And then they hear that Uncle Bob down the street in his church got slaughtered by Paul and that they just found out that they know where we're gathering and Paul's coming. And they're going, God, why are you waiting? Why are you, why are you not acting? Why are you allowing us to be persecuted? And God was patient with Saul. And one day, he was on the road to Damascus, and he had an encounter with Jesus. And Saul became the first and greatest missionary in the history of the Christian church. We're here today as Gentiles, non-Jews, following Jesus because of the movement that he started. And unknown amounts of people came to repentance through this man. Because God was patient with Paul. Peter recognized this as well. Peter was the disciple with the big mouth, the hot temper, and a lack of courage when it actually counted. And he said this. This is the verse I read before. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is love, and he wants all to come to know him. God is patient with us, even when we absolutely do not deserve it. So if God is patiently with, if God is generously patient with us, if God waits longer for us, can we be generous with our time with others? Time is a gift that we can share with others. Here's some of the easy ones. How long do we sit with a lonely senior? How long do we wait for someone with a speech impediment? How long do we wait for our kids to learn to tie their shoes? How long do we wait for the new driver in front of us on the way to work? Those are the easy ones, right? Yeah, we know. We should do better. I'll let you work through some of those, but when it comes to how God is patient with us and how we can be patient with others, I think instead of looking into our, our, our time, day timers, our schedules, I think we need to look at questions like this. How long do we wait to point out someone's wrong when we have been offended? Someone says something really hurtful to you at work, and you are justified. This person was downright mean. A coworker comes into your office for the 10th time to ask the code for the photocopier. Do we take a breath? Do we take a day? How long do we wait before responding to the offense? 
He would jump all over them right away. Come on! Smarten up! Or do we be patient? Extend that gift of patience to them. If you're a leader, if you're a boss, you have amazing vision. You have great strategy. Why can't these people just get it? Like, I have the plan. It's laid out. It's brilliant. You know that. You're a leader. And you know that this is the direction that you need to go. And why can't they get on board? How long do we be patient with those that we lead? How long do we be patient with those that we live with, with those that we work with? How long do we put up with other people's foibles and follies when we know that we're right and we could just step in and smarten up? God does not get tired of us. We aren't a waste of time in God's world. God is infinitely patient with us and all of our foibles. He is continually drawing us close. As a result of God's perspective of us, others should not be a waste of time to us. We can be patient with them and their foibles and follies. We can continue to love them and draw them close and be patient and help them understand the photocopier code. We can do that. So how? Patience doesn't come naturally to us. Uh, how do we be patient? How is it that we can wait longer? Tip number one, our hope is in the Lord. Don't lose hope. In the Old Testament, as God waited for, uh, to set people free, to set the Israelites free from their captives, he spoke these words through Jeremiah 31 about the end of captivity that was going to come. Jeremiah 31 says, But I, the Lord, say, dry your tears. Someday your children will come home from the enemy's land. Then all you have done for them will be greatly rewarded. So don't lose hope. I, the Lord, have spoken. That one's pretty clear. New Testament authors, the same thing. Reminding believers that the Lord will return. We need to put our hope in the Lord and not forget that. Second of all, we need to encourage one another daily. In other words, we need to give the gift of time to others. We need to be patient with them. We need to allow God to transform them. As you wait, he might just end up transforming you. I, I believe that patience is a team game. That we need one another to remind ourselves, to encourage ourselves to be patient. This doesn't mean that you tell your roommate, um, you need to be patient with me, just remember that. Instead, it's saying to your roommate or others, encouraging them to remember that God is patient with them, even when they blew it. God is patient with you. You're doing great. 
Keep growing in your faith. It's okay to make mistakes. Ask for forgiveness. God will freely forgive and move on. Step forward. God is patient with you. That's the kind of encouragement that people need. Tip number three, rest. There is a definite connection between rest and patience. Between rest and waiting longer. Isaiah 40 says, They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Other translations say, They that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. There's a great word study to be done there for those of you Bible scholars that want to look at why is the same word used in different translations as wait and hope? What's the connection there? They that wait in the Lord, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In other words, slow down. Number four, prioritize the important parts of your day. This is just where it gets into the practical calendar side. There's lots of good self-help books that can help you to do that. If you don't think you have enough time, there's this wonderful thing for those of you who own iPhones that you can look at now. It's so convicting, and it just tells you exactly what you've been doing on your phone. My confession is that last week, I spent an average of 17 minutes a day on Instagram. My guess would have been maybe six. I, all I do is creep people. I don't even like, post anything. I spent 17 minutes a day on Instagram alone? I'm not even on social media. And then I said, I don't have enough time to get other things done. I, I'm too busy. I, I'm, I don't know if my wife's in here, but she's thinking, yeah, that's 17 minutes of vacuuming and you know, all these things that could have happened, right? We very quickly say that we don't have time and uh, our iPhones tell us differently, I think. It was restful, but maybe it wasn't the best use of time. Anyways, this, this all leads us back to Advent. Advent is a time of anticipation of Christ's first coming. But it's also a time of encouraging, reminding us about his second coming. It's not just about the baby in the manger 2,000 years ago. It is about the resurrected king coming back to restore and make all things good. As believers in Christ, we gather together to celebrate what Christ has done and encourage each other. Wait longer. Hold on. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Christ is coming back. He will return. We will spend an eternity with him because of his generous love for us through Jesus. He's waiting for everyone to come back everyone to come to repentance. And we too can wait longer for others as Christ does his work in each one of them and in each of us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your patience with us. 
in those times where we simply did not live up to your standard, where we blew it. God, thank you for your unconditional forgiveness, for your love for us. Thank you that you are transforming us, changing us, growing in us, restoring us. God, help us to be patient. Help us to be patient with ourselves. Help us to be patient with those who are around us. Help us to be patient as we anticipate your return. God, we pray that we would be generous as we consider how we can wait longer for you, for others. In your name, Jesus. Amen. At this time, uh, parents, you can pick up your kids from...